0: It's a good week to be here in Playlist Week for Classic Rock. Uh, I'm normally a sports radio guy in my truck when I'm driving around. I've got, I've got my favorites, and they typically stay there. Uh, but my 10-year-old son has been asking me more and more lately this past couple of weeks when he gets in my truck, says, hey, Dad, can we listen to Classic Rock? I'm like, well, sure. Of course we can. So we flip it over there, and, you know, it's all those old favorites that I grew up listening to uh, from my dad's youth and music that I enjoy. still know the words, to and... I'll tell you, a couple days ago, a Nirvana song from the early 90s came on the classic rock station, and I wanted to call the DJ and let him know, hey, I'm so- I believe you've made a mistake. This is modern rock. <laughs> um, but that's just me coming to terms with, you know, advancing a little bit. And that's another sermon series or maybe even a therapy session for me, so <laughs> we'll move on. But of course, today we're looking at, as a jumping off point, Journey's classic 1983 hit ballad, uh, Faithfully. And if this isn't your favorite week in the music, then at least you can agree with me that it's the best hair week of the series. I mean, look at those backlit curls up there. You just, that's a God-given gift, you know? But this song teaches us so much about life. And, and really, even the, the name of the band can teach us something today. Um, journey, Because, you know, life is about the, the bigger, longer journey that God has in front of us that God calls us to. You know, we're all called to be faithful and be committed people. God requires that of us. And, and sometimes we can get myopic and think about just moment to moment, but we can forget about that point on the horizon that God has set out in front of us and that God calls us to. And, and I kind of want to look at that today. Think about what does life look like as we commit to being faithful followers of Jesus and faithful in every area of our lives. Because you see, life is not about a series of transactions. It's tempting to think of that, but really life's about a series of relationships to steward and to care for and to nurture. Our relationship with God, our our Father in heaven, our, our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. Relationship with our family, those that God has put closest to us in this life our relationships with those around us, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers. Each one is an opportunity for us to steward the love of God in our relationships with one another and be committed and faithful followers of Jesus. And so as we look at what that looks like in our lives today, I'm going to invite us to Scripture. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. But before we get right into reading it, I want to kind of remind us where we are in chapter 3. We're with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, familiar names from the book of Daniel. We're at that point where these three committed, faithful, young Jewish men in a foreign kingdom, in a position that they probably could not have predicted they would find themselves in, in the court of a foreign king, they've been called upon to do something that is not, um, that goes against the the grain of who they are. Because you see, Nebuchadnezzar has built a big giant statue and he's required everybody in the kingdom to bow to it, to worship, to pay homage to it. And these three, they, see, they just can't do that because they've made a prior commitment to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their forefathers, the God who gave them a covenantal relationship, a promise to always be with him and they would always be with him. See, they couldn't take God out of the first order and put something or someone else above. That was a line for them. And so word got back around to the king that they were not going to fall in line, and, and the king was angry, and as you can imagine, a conflict ensues, and they're threatened with being thrown in the fiery furnace if they don't bow to the statue. And this is where we pick up in our reading here, their response to King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 16 of chapter three. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered the king, "O, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter." If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O King, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. See, they had their line that they wouldn't cross. And I'll tell you, it's hard to be faithful. It's hard to be committed. See, it's actually a lot easier at home. I think it's harder when you're away from home. Take these three young guys. See, they're not back in Jerusalem in the court of the the king of Israel in Jerusalem. No, they're, they're far away. Taken away from that promised land where their ancestors were told they would be forever. They find themselves somewhere they never thought they'd be. And even thinking about the, the band Journey, that song that, that they wrote about being out on the road, being a rock and roll band, going to a new city every night, seeing new faces every day, and sounds exciting, doesn't it? And yet, if you're like so many in our community who have had that kind of job that, that takes you out on the road so regularly, you know that, yeah, it's exciting at first, and yet, man, the longer you're away from home, it just begins to weigh on you, it begins to wear on you, and it And it begins to be difficult to remain a faithfully committed follower of Jesus. It's so much easier at home. It's like us here at church. This is our spiritual home. And it's easy for us to be faithful and committed when we come together, come in this room and worship and we sing and we have a great choir and orchestra behind us and we can pray together coming to this place and going to Sunday school and enjoying fellowship with friends and learning about what God has in his word for us and coming to a Bible study or even coming in. Pastor Joy is not in here at this moment, but, uh, you know, coming and playing Bunko in the name of Jesus, even it's safe and it's easy when we're at home. And yet when we leave this place and go out into the world, we find that it becomes more difficult. And so I want us to think about how we can be encouraged to be faithful in our lives on a daily basis. So I want us to think about two things today, and the first is simply this, that faithfulness requires preparation. See, preparation doesn't guarantee success in this, but failure to prepare will guarantee that we're not successful. Because you see, being faithful and committed, as hard as it is, it's much more difficult if we wait until we get to a fork in the road moment where we have to make a decision to go left or right to choose the right thing or the wrong thing, to choose who we're going to be in that moment when we feel tremendous pressure. It's much better if we make that decision, that commitment beforehand. And so we've caught up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter three, but see, they didn't wait until then to make the decision that they made. We read back in chapter one that Daniel and and these three young men, they actually decided to commit early on in their story. They found themselves in the court of Nebuchadnezzar, and and when they were asked to eat meat from the king's table, meat that had been sacrificed to idols, they said, no, we can't do that. Instead, we're going to be who God's calling us to be. And they chose to to live according to the standards and the the dietary restrictions of the law of Moses, the scriptures that God had given the people of Israel, and they remained faithful to that and had water and vegetables, essentially, and, and God strengthened them through that. God rewarded their faithfulness in that moment. And so, again, they didn't wait until chapter 3, until that fork in the road to make that decision. They were prepared ahead of time because they had already decided to be committed. See, it reminds me of that age-old fable that's, you know, tired because we've all heard it 10,000 times and yet still full of so much wisdom of the ant and the grasshopper. I won't relay it fully here because you know again we have heard it so many times, but remember the ant when it's nice and beautiful and sunny outside is busy at work gathering a little food every day and storing it away, and his friend the grasshopper comes along and says, Hey, listen man, it's it's nice outside. Why are you working so hard? Let's go have some fun. Let's enjoy what God has given us today, this beautiful weather. And the ant stayed steady and preparing for the winter that he knew was coming. And so the season turns and the harsh winter comes and we find the ant who has everything he needs stored up to make it through that winter and the grasshopper who's left out in the cold. And simply the wisdom in there of teaching us the value of being prepared, of getting ready ahead of time. And if we think this morning, ask God, God, will you show me? What do I need to be prepared in my life? How can I be someone who is more prepared? You know, I have this question with, or I have this conversation with folks quite often. How do I kind of become more faithful? How do I, how do I pick up speed in my spiritual life? And I always recommend some very simple things. And that's in the air of spiritual disciplines, really. Prayer and reading scripture, attending worship, little simple things. Hey, if I'm the kind of person that doesn't read scripture every day, maybe I can read a few verses every day and commit to that. If I'm the kind of person that doesn't pray every day, maybe I can set a timer and commit to praying one minute every day and just start off little by little by little. And what God will do with that seed over time is water it and grow it. And you'll look back and see where God has brought you, the growth that has occurred over time. And then when you come to the point of trial, you'll have this rich store to pull from, this rich reserve to pull from, to face what is before you. It's good to be prepared. But I'll tell you, being prepared isn't enough because faithfulness, let's see, it also requires endurance. And endurance, that doesn't sound very fun to me (laughs) because endurance makes me think of hard things and, you know, easy things are a lot more fun. Sometimes we have to do things that we don't want to do. And that's the way life goes. See, a couple weeks ago, we were on high school mission trip uh, up in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, I've been on many... High school mission trips in my days whether Back in my past as a youth leader And then as an adult, you know, through the years and Always enjoyed going It's a very rich, wonderful experience To be able to invest not just in the young people Of the church, but also in those in the communities That we go to So adults, if you all haven't uh, thought about Going on that trip in the past And the next summer rolls around uh, Go hit up Floyd and Michelle and, 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 and check into it. It, it It's a very worthwhile experience Very rich and rewarding experience And And this year, though, is kind of a special trip because, see, I have an incoming freshman in high school. My oldest, my beautiful, wonderful little baby Jovi Page Reeves is, is now up here and getting into high school this coming fall. And So it was her first high school mission trip, and we've been talking about how exciting that is for her. We've been talking about what she can expect on the trip and what to pack, you know, what is she going to need. And and as we've been making, or as we were making plans leading up to the trip, uh, she started talking to me about the dress-up nights, you know, the because that's something they do on these trips. They'll have a night where everybody wears a sports jersey, um, you know, together at dinner and worship and the activities after. And this year they had a construction worker night, and so there are a couple ladies in our church that were just really rank Joe Dirt-looking mullet wigs with mustaches drawn on their faces and orange vests. It was great. People have a really good time with this on the trip. However, that's not my bag. I don't do this, okay? I'm jeans and t-shirt guy basically all the time, <laughs> except before you today. And, but on mission trip, I don't do the dress-ups. But my sweet daughter said, Father, I'm going to need you to help me out and be my partner on rhyming character costume night. She said we're going to do dairy and fairy and I said Jovi I love you but I'm not dressing up like a cow <laughs> and she said oh no you're not <laughs> <laughs> what I came to find out later was my daughter and my wife had already hatched this plan it was already in motion. They'd already bought the tutu and the, the wings with the blinky lights and the little magic wand. And they already had it packed in my suitcase, ready to go for me. I didn't even have to put any work into it. And so for about 20, 30 minutes that night, I, I walked around looking like that. Um, just because, you know, it helped enrich my daughter's experience. I'm glad that I could do that for her. And you know, sometimes the things that we don't want to do in life are silly and trivial like that. But, but, you know, there are more serious things, too, when those hard days come. Um, And, you know, there's something that we can learn about endurance from looking at endurance marathons, endurance races. There's this really fascinating character that I've been looking into and reading up a lot lot lately. His name's Lazarus Lake. He's a guy from East Tennessee. And I don't have a video or an audio clip of him, uh, but he sounds like what what you think he sounds like. Heavy East Tennessee draw, and he's famous in the ultramarathon world for creating races. Now, if you haven't heard of ultramarathons, they're not the 26.2 miles. These folks go out and run like 100 miles, 150 miles. It's just absolutely tremendous what they push the human body to do. It's incredible. I'm glad that they do it so I don't have to, um, but I sure do have fun watching them. And while he's created several different races, he, he came up with a concept a little over 10 years ago called the backyard ultra. Rather than have a big long 150 mile long track, uh, he simply took 100 miles, divided it into 24 for the 24 hours of the day, made a 4.1667 mile loop where runners would be at the starting line at the top of the hour, on the hour, every hour and run that 4.16 miles together. And then at the next hour, the next one would start. The next hour rolls around, the next one starts. And you don't have to be fast. All you have to do is be in the starting chute when the hour turns over so that you can start the next lap of the race. And these people who show up for this, they can run 4.16 miles in their sleep. That's not even a warm-up for them. But I like what Lazarus says about the race that as it goes on. As you get to kind of hour 24... Right? And they hit that 100-mile mark, and people start dropping like flies. And he says, you know what? It's easy until it isn't. And a lot of stuff in life is like that, too. Because, you see, the key to this race is not being fast. The key to endurance in life is not speed and power. It's just the willingness to get up and start the next lap. It's the willingness to get up and start one more time. A lot of times we're think, tempted to think, well, what do the next 10,000 starts look like? Or the next 1,000 starts? Or the next 100 starts? And we want to map it out. And yet really the important thing is getting up one more time. It's so all of those things in our life, those, those tangible things, those kind of mundane things, the things that we see and touch every single day. What does it look like if we just get up and start one more time in those? What does it look like in our marriages if we get up to the starting line just one more time. What does it look like in caring for our children and our family if we just get up to the starting line one more time? What does it look like in caring for our coworkers and our neighbors and our friends if we just get up to the starting line one more time? What does it look like in our Walk with God and Christ and our Path of discipleship if we just get up and start one more time? See, friends, there's power in that. and Some of us in this room, we have that area in our lives that we know that we need to just get up and start one more time in. And, and I can't tell you what that is, but I pray that God would speak to each and every single one of us and show us that and incur- offer us not, not judgment, but encouragement in that. Because you see, there is a path forward in choosing to be a faithful, committed person in this life. And listen to what I just said, in choosing to be. You see, it does take a choice. It doesn't happen on, on its own. It doesn't happen automatically for us. So we actually have to actively choose to be this kind of person. But you know what? I don't know about you, but I don't really have the power in and of myself to choose to be that. I'm thankful that God gives us what we need to be able to choose that. I want to turn back to our scripture and remind us of, uh, you know, kind of map out the end of that chapter. We, we didn't quite read that far, but see these three young men, they do end up in that fiery furnace. Their ordeal does not uh, end with them getting let off the hook. Instead, they get thrown in. They're facing the biggest trial in their lives. And yet, when people look into the furnace, they don't see three people, but they see four. You see, when we get into our biggest moments of trial uh, and and hardship in life, we're not alone. God does not abandon us in those moments, but rather joins us in them, walks with us in them, is present with us, and not just present, but also at work, in and through that moment. And there's power in that. God gives us everything that we need, the grace to take one more step, to get up one more day, to get to the starting line one more, more time. The strength that we need to choose to follow after Him and be the kind of person that remains faithful to Him and those around us, that remains committed to living in the way of Jesus. So in this room this morning, whether you're the kind of, in the, in the spot in life where, where you think, you know, I, I, need to, I need to start working on what it looks like to be prepared, then I pray that God would give you the, the grace that you need Today, to start making those changes in life that lead to preparedness. And if you're in a spot this morning where you know, I just need God to give me the strength to endure what I'm going through and get to, just get to the other side of what I'm going through right now, and I pray that you would know fully the love and grace of God in Jesus Christ in this place and know that He is with you on that journey and will not leave you or forsake you, but instead give you what you need for that path. Let us pray today. God, we give you thanks. God, we're thankful most of all as we talk about the subject of faithfulness. We're thankful that you are faithful. We're thankful that we know what faithfulness looks like because we can look at you and see. Lord, for we have no idea what it means to be committed and faithful outside of you. So, Lord, as we turn our lives over to you, as we respond to the reading of your word this morning together in this place, Lord, help us. Help us sense what you're saying. Help us accept the change that you want us to make in our lives together so that we can reflect your faithfulness and love to the world around us as we bear the name of Christ, followers in this world. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.